Oh, hi. So, let me show you my setup for my band. Uh, so, I have a band. It's at work, actually. Uh, so, they're all scientists. They're people I work with in the lab. And we have a band called Lab Jam. And this Saturday afternoon, sorry, Friday. It's only Friday. <laughs> I forgot. It's a bank holiday. This Friday afternoon, uh, we are meeting to practice to perform in the workplace in a couple of weeks. And believe it or not, our boss has actually asked us to perform live for this event. It's happening in the middle of June, and we are kind of like freaking out, to be honest. <laughs> um, while I'm waiting for them, they're not due here for another half hour. What I'm going to do, I'm going to read uh, a bit of Acts, kind of like catch up to try to finish as much of this as possible before the lecture that I have to give tomorrow as an overview of the whole book of Acts. That's why I'm trying to work through every single chapter, and that's freaking me out as well. Um, but the more I do, you know, the better I feel. So that's why I'm doing this right now. Okay, so let's pick up where we left off. This is Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 24. That's what we're looking at right now. It says here, Paul before Felix at Caesarea. Another trial. Think of those law TV shows. It's kind of like that with Paul right now. He's just facing judge after judge and presenting case after case. So, okay, what happens? What happens? Acts chapter 24. Uh, and after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul, and when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him. So Tertullus is this slick lawyer, I guess, they hired to accuse Paul. Uh, I think of, have you ever watched that TV show, um, Suits? <laughs> I think of Harvey Specter. You know, someone, you know, in a really nice suit, someone really flashy, really eloquent, turning up to bring all these charges against Paul. And I guess that's the kind of guy you want on your side, right? That's the kind of guy you want to pay top dollar to bring your case against a judge and to win a case. That's the kind of guy. So that's, in my mind at least, who Tertullus um, uh, looks like, Harvey Specter. <laughs> uh, and this is what he says, verse 2. Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation. In every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. <laughs> so he's buttering up. He begins not by talking about the case, but talking about the judge over this case. Felix, you know what? You've been the best governor we've ever had. We are so thankful for you. We've all prospered, and we are so honored to be in your presence right now. That's how you win cases. <laughs> not through facts, but through friendships. You build this friendship with the judge so that he likes you and, he, and he, he sides with you, I think. yeah. At verse 4, But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we found this man a plague. This, this guy is equivalent to the living version of COVID. <laughs> He's a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. Uh, by examining him yourself, you'll be able to find out from him about everything for which we, of which we accuse him. So this guy 
troublemaker everywhere he goes causes riots you know and you know you can you can see it for yourself that's what Tertullus is saying you know we don't need people like this you know causing trouble for us causing trouble for you you know what uh, we don't want to waste your time just condemn him just just charge him just condemn him just kill him that's that's the idea verse 9 the Jews also join in the charge affirming that all these things were so and the idea is it's just one guy it's just Paul against all these very, very powerful people who've hired this very, very slick lawyer to plead their case before the judge. And so these odds are kind of stacked up against little old Paul, just one guy, just one guy. Uh, verse 10, and when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied. So this is like Paul's version of things. Okay, all right, so what does Paul say? Verse 10, Knowing that for many years you've been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. So very interesting. Paul says, this was just last week, or two weeks ago, 12 days ago. And so everyone can remember what happened. And if you ask any one of them, they will tell you the same thing. I was there minding my own business. I wasn't causing trouble. Everything was peaceful, okay, no problems. You know, nothing was happening until something happened. So meaning, I did not cause the trouble that you're seeing right now. I'm just one guy. I'm just one guy. And you can check it up for yourself. Yeah, where am I? Um, uh, verse 14, but this I confess to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. So he's trying to establish that they all believe the same thing. You know, what Paul believes is not something extraordinary. Because he's saying, these guys over there, we believe the same Bible, we believe the same God, and we believe the same God will raise us from the dead. So again, he's trying to establish links that actually what he believes in is something that is orthodox, I guess, something that actually they have in common, I guess, that these guys are almost picking fights over something that is, something that should unite them, but they're finding reason to disunite them, to cause trouble from this thing called the resurrection. Um, verse 17, now, after several, several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. You know, I was just minding my own business. I was worshiping God in the temple like everyone else. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation should they have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. And so Paul is making this a theological matter. You know, they don't believe something that they should believe in, i.e., 
the resurrection. And the reason why there's this trouble is not because of Paul. It's not even because of what he believes, but because of these troublemakers. He says, some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you. He's almost like saying, those guys, they cause all this ruckus, all this trouble, and yet they're not here. You should be interviewing them. So interesting events, you know, Paul just lays on the facts, says, please verify every single thing that I've said, either with the witnesses or even, or even with the Bible. And you find that we believe the same thing, the, the witnesses will verify the same thing. I wasn't causing trouble and I was preaching something that they ought to believe in, the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, but Felix having a rather accurate knowledge of the way. Now that's interesting, you know, actually Felix has some exposure to the Bible, is the accurate knowledge of the way, knowledge about Jesus even. I'm not sure how he got this, but it seems that maybe that's why Paul is preaching or speaking the way he is. He's speaking to someone who maybe has some knowledge of Jesus and Paul wants to bring him closer. Paul's almost preaching and evangelizing him. And I guess that's that other motive that Paul has. He's actually almost pleading with him for Felix himself to respond to the gospel. So yeah, verse 22 again, he put them off saying, when Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case, I guess. Is this the same uh, uh, Lysias? Yeah, the Lysias was the tribune, the guy who was protecting Paul and sent Paul all the way to Felix in the first case. Yeah, so when that guy comes, you know, I'll get more information, I'll decide on your case. So essentially, he just defers the judgment. Verse 23, then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So, so far, so good. You know, Felix, uh, he knows a bit about Jesus. He's trying to be as fair as possible to Paul, and he says, you know, don't keep him from meeting his friends. Don't keep him from, his, from receiving some help from his friends. So it sounds like a fairly fair-minded guy so far, so far, so far. So verse 24, after some days, Felix came with his wife, <laughs> Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. So again, the big picture, the big picture of this is that Paul is now being sent by God to preach before all this inaccessible people. These are kings, these are governors, but they are having a private audience with Paul, and having a private audience with the gospel, and he even brings his wife. Say, I got, you got to check this guy out. You know, he, he's something else, and maybe something about his preaching, and something about what he's saying about the resurrection of the dead made him go, you know what, my wife, who believes this kind of stuff, I think she would like to hear from this guy called Paul. So he brings her, and what does Paul say? Verse 25, and as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away, go away for the present. Paul, Paul was actually hitting too close to home as he was talking about judgment, but also self-control. And so this is now talking about Felix's own accountability before God is your life, you know, something that will stand up against God's judgment, God's holiness at the end of the day. Is it, you know, Felix said, you know, that, that's too much to handle. Stop, stop. I know. I'm the governor. I tell you what to say. I tell you when to say this. And you said too much. Um, when I get an opportunity, 
I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. Ah, okay. So, so he had an ulterior motive. He actually wanted Paul to kind of like bribe him, to kind of give him some money. And maybe that's why, um, you know, he's probably thinking the way that the Jewish leaders were thinking. You know, they hired this slick lawyer. They want to make friends with him. And maybe he's saying, hey, Paul, why don't you make friends with me? Give me some, you know, some little mula, and then maybe I'll make life easier for you. You know, you know, I've already kind of like um, leaned things in your favor. You know, it could be a lot better. But, you know, I think Paul didn't give any, any money because that's why he was disappointed. That's why he, uh, Paul is still in prison all this while. Uh, so he sent for him often and conversed with him. Interesting, isn't it? Here's some guy who listens to Paul again and again and again but with the motivation of getting something that is not salvation, something that is not God, but something that is material, that is wealth, that is money. Very, very deceptive and very, very real, I guess. Verse 27, when two years, oh, two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison, and that's how the chapter ends. You know, Felix keeps him for as long as possible, two whole years, you know, just locking him up and to gain favor with his people. You know, he, with the Jews, he just leaves him locked up. And all I have to say is, what a shame. What a shame, you know, two years having Billy Graham preach to you privately, you know, um, and you have to wonder, at what point does your heart get so hardened that you can hear two years worth of preaching from the best evangelist, pastor, missionary in the whole world and not respond? Uh, money gets in the way, power gets in the way, approval with others gets in the way, and it's just such a shame, such a shame. Uh, but you say that, but you know, I live in Cambridge and we have like the best churches, best preachers in the land. And you know, undergraduates get exposed to two, three years of preaching of that, and still um, they can come away unchanged. You know, say that I need to find out some more, and they just don't take advantage of the fact that you know it's just right there. You know, the gospel, salvation, and just the facts are just right there for them to check it up. It's a shame. It's a shame. It happens. It happens. Well, yeah, um, I think. I wonder if the guys will be coming soon. Anyway, this has been the Daily Bible Reading Show, looking at Acts chapter 24. I think I have four more chapters to go to finish the book of Acts. I'm just going to uh, prepare, <laughs> maybe get some lunch, prepare, and then jam for, a, for about a couple of hours, and then hopefully finish the last four chapters. Thanks for watching. Take care, and God bless. Bye. Shh.